0: You're listening to Season 6, Episode number 10 of Strike the Match. This episode is Part 2 of a two-part series titled, On Writing and Publishing. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. All right, so let's continue on in uh, this thought on writing and publishing. Now, in this episode, I want to address particularly the issue of publishing books. I'll say some things about publishing articles and periodicals. I'll say a few more things about blogging. But I recognize that some of you are very interested in hearing about traditional publishing, doing indie publishing, and even partial investment publishing. And as I mentioned in the first episode, I've done all three of those. And so, um, so that will be the topic of, of what I'm doing in this uh, second part. Uh, if books are not of interest to you, then uh, still listen. There may be some things that are valuable to you in this process, because you never know. Uh, the Lord may lead you to eventually publish books in days to come. Those of you that are already publishing books, I hope that there's something in this episode that can be of value to you and to encourage you on in your, your medium that, uh, that you have been working in. So, let me start by saying my process. This is what's worked for me. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that this is the only way to do it. I'm not saying that my way is the best way. It's just what the Lord has used in my life and what what is working. So, when it comes to writing anything, whether it's a blog post, an article, writing a book... Prayer is a significant part of the journey. For me, it begins with prayer. I'm seeking the Lord's guidance uh, through before I start and throughout the process. I, I want to seek first His kingdom and His guidance in this process. When I am writing a book, um, oftentimes before I write a book, I will spend not only time in prayer but also time in fasting. Uh, sometimes over a period of maybe three consecutive days, uh, partial fasts. Uh, sometimes I will fast on different days. Have partial fasts on different days over different periods of time, but I say that to say uh, prayer and fasting is a significant part of my my writing process, and uh, and is is also a part. Prayer is also a part of the process of of consulting with uh, with publishers as well. So then, as we think, let's start. As we think about publishing, let's think about the traditional publishing house. Now, um, I know that this is what I'm about to say. Uh, Many of you. Um, will not like what I'm about to say, but here it is. Many publishers, let me say it this way, most publishers, most publishers want to know about your platform as a potential author. They want to know about your social uh, influence. They want to know the, uh, the reach that you have in your ministry. Publishing today is not like it was back in the 90s and prior to that time, even in the early 21st century. And so, the notion of an individual marketing his or her book and the influence of that individual is something that that publishers are very much uh, interested in. Now, keep in mind, for many of them, and I, maybe I'd say even most in Christian publishers, most, uh, this is a stewardship matter. They're limited in, resor- in resources, they're limited in time, and it is a big investment for them to publish an author. And so, so, for them, it is a stewardship issue now I'll say this you know when I published my first book, I published my first book uh missional House Churches back in two thousand and seven um my my influence my platform was much much smaller back then than than what it is today. I still don't even think it's huge today, but I just want you to to understand that, and that is the issue of of one's one's platform is something that Publishers are asking because for them, for many of them, it is a stewardship, it's a stewardship issue because the investment is very high for a traditional publisher. Now, if you have not published anything before, I mean anything, you need to start, and I would say start before you approach a traditional publisher. So, if you're thinking publishing a book a year, two years, three years from now, sometime down the road, start now by blogging. That's a great way, as I mentioned in episode or this previous part, um, episode number nine. Uh, blogging is incredibly uh, helpful. It's good for you. It's good to extend and build your platform. But I would also say start writing for periodicals. Start writing for journals, for magazines on your topic. Get online. Go to some periodicals related to the field that you're interested in writing in. Go to a library and look at the, the journals that are there and pick out several that you think may be a good periodical in which you could publish one of your articles. What I would do is I would look through them. I would check out what they publish, kind of get a feel for their, their culture, their, their desired content, things of that nature. And then I would send an email uh, to the editor, and I would just introduce myself, and I would say, "Hey, you know, here's an uh, idea that I have. I appreciate what what you're you're publishing, what you're 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 working on. Um, Would you be interested in 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 seeing? um, Well, first of all, I'd say, is this a topic that you may be interested in in for a possible future article, and and see if that person says yes, and if so, then I would write back, and I would say, Would you be interested in seeing uh, an article written for me that for you to possibly consider, you know, publishing it? So basically, the language that you're you're using in this correspondence is not to lock the person in, but you're asking them, "Hey, is this something you'd be interested in? Hey, would you be willing to consider looking at something that I've written to see if it's a possibility?" And so I would start by doing that. So the more you get published in periodicals, it builds your publishing, uh, your uh, publishing history, uh, that is going to be significant for publishers. They're, they want to know that you have written stuff, you've published stuff in the field, you've done things before. Again, m- there are exceptions. There, there are a lot of exceptions, but a lot of publishers want to see something in your history because oftentimes past behavior is a best predictor of future behavior. And so if they're looking at someone who is who's going to uh, write a book, that's a marathon. Um, someone they're going to invest in—that's a significant commitment for them. They want to know if someone is, is capable of writing smaller works, if they uh, know what they're talking about. And so, so I would say start a blog. I would say start writing articles for journals, for magazines, etc., for uh, resources within your denomination. In other words, begin to build your publishing history. Uh, so scout those journals, scout those magazines. Know what they publish. Make an inquiry about your possible article and start that process. Now, beyond that, I would say, when you're thinking about a book, scout the publishers. Now, publishers are different, so there are some publishers, they will not consider you um, and your idea unless they have first met you. Uh, Some will say, we only work through... um, uh, through uh, basically a, a, a manager, a, a management firm, a marketing source, uh, and that is uh, there are some resources out there that people pay to put their ideas on, and then the uh, publishers will go through maybe once a month and, and look at the ideas that are out there, and, and that's the only way they'll work with you and connect with you. Um, however, I mean, those, those, out, those are out there. However, there are times you can get online and you can find publishing houses that will say, hey, right now we are receiving unsolicited uh, manuscripts for consideration. And so you'll find those opportunities out there, though there are some that will, because they receive so many, so many uh, manuscripts and proposals, uh, there's so many that, that they want some kind of connection with you beforehand. Let me, let me share with you an idea. And this is this is how I started. This is how it all um, began with me. Um, I went to the Evangelical Theological Society meeting. I'm a member of ETS, and I attended our um, national meeting uh, in uh, Washington several years ago. I guess this would have been in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, something like that. I don't know. And um at the at the annual meeting, publishers from within North America especially will have booths, they will have all kinds of displays set up, and they, they're they there to meet you and sell their books and to show their new um, catalogs off, and they want to connect with new potential authors, and they're open to new ideas, and so um, I would say. So, what's the principle? The principle is go where the authors, or excuse me, go where the publishers set up shop, and connect with them. And so that's what I did. I I connected with some, and um, and I got cards, and I introduced myself uh, to the individuals, and I would stand around and talk a little, little bit. And so afterwards, I would follow up with them with an email, just, to, just an email saying, hey, thanks so much. It was great meeting you. And I would try to say something in the email just to remind them who I was and just in our conversation. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I've got this idea and maybe I'll share it with you in the future. So oftentimes that's all you need to connect with some publishers. Now, let me say this up front. All right so here here is here here's a principle that you need to prepare for and that is the principle of rejection, okay? the principle of rejection. I think I received, I believe it was 11. it may have been it may have been more than that it may have been um, 13 or 14. I can't remember. it was at least 11. Um, I think I stopped counting after 11. I received at least 11 rejection. Letters for my first book uh, proposal for missional house churches, and so um, I had connected with. So one of the uh, the publishers I connected with uh, at the ETS meeting was uh, Biblica Publishing. Uh, they're no longer um, no longer around, and uh, I remember Volney James was uh, was the publisher that was there and got a chance to start a relationship with Volney and and I just said said to him, Hey, I've got this idea. Um, at that time, I had actually developed it into uh, a manuscript, a proposal, and um, and I said, "Is this something that you may be interested in?" And we just stood there and talked. And he said, "He said, yeah." He said, "I tell you what," he said, um, "you know, send me an email and uh, send me your proposal and and let let me take a look at it." And so, um, so that's how it started with me. So go where the publishers are, and I would say, particularly those of you that are in the world of academia. If you're not a member of the Evangelical Theological Society, uh, you need to join, and you need to, when we can return to meeting in public, you need to go, and you need to meet the publishers, you need to go to the displays. Now, you all know, uh, if you've listened to me, you've read any of my stuff, you know that I'm a big proponent of the Evangelical Missiological Society. I'm also a member of EMS as well. Um, I have tried to get publishers to come to our EMS meeting. And thankfully, William Carey. So shout out to William Carey. If you're out there listening right now, they're there almost, uh, almost every every year. Actually, uh, I've been going for I don't know twenty years now. and I think every year they have they have been present. Uh, but many of the other publishers, they they don't show up. I don't know why. It may be because we're a smaller group, but uh, but I would say if you want to start um, and you want to meet a variety of publishers, many publishers. That are out there, um, go to ETS and just spend time going around the tables and connecting, getting cards, and following some of those things that I mentioned just, just a moment ago. Um, one of the things they're going to ask you to do is they're going to ask for a propo- proposal. Now, every every publishing house has a little different way of, of, of shaping their proposals, so some will ask for this some will ask for that. The best thing to do is just to ask the company and oftentimes i'll put it on their website. Just ask them if you could have a um a sample of of what is you know just a list of what is contained in a, a book proposal and so you can see what they what they have there and so if you're if you're um if you're writing this what what does it basically look like well it for those of you in academia it well it kind of looks like a syllabus if you will um uh, or maybe you could say it this way. It's kind of like um, uh, a schedule plus a marketing plan plus, uh, plus a, a content outline. Maybe I'll say it that way. So uh, what's in a the proposal? They're going to want information on you, who you are. Uh, they're going to want to see a CV, so they want to see what you published before. They're going to want to know about your proposed title, uh, who the possible primary audience is, who's the secondary audience. They're going to want to know, you know what's the book about. Are there any other competing books out there that's already been published? Uh, if there are similar books out there, how does your book differ? Uh, they're going to look for a sample uh, table of contents. Some publishers will want you to submit fully uh, two chapters from the book. They want you to have written two chapters, usually maybe an introduction chapter, introductory chapter, and then maybe you know chapter two, chapter five, something like that. Um, so, so there's a lot of of lot of information found in uh, in a in a in a proposal. I, I mean, most of my proposals are going to, um, they're going to look, they're going to be probably somewhere around maybe 15, 16, 17 pages long. So it's, it's, it's quite quite in-depth. And you're going to submit that, and then you're going to wait. So there's principle number two, the principle of waiting. You're going to wait, you're going to wait, you're going to wait. Uh, they're going to take it, they're going to run it by various individuals, various committees, and those committees don't always they don't meet every day most of the time and so they'll have certain meetings throughout the year on certain days of the month and then uh you may you may wait weeks you may wait uh two or three months maybe uh and then again the principle of rejection will often come so you just have to prepare yourself for that and um and so the you know the waiting process that's 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 a reality that is out there and so if you if you hear back and um um you receive a rejection don't again don't let that get you down just continue on in that process now I know some publishers don't do not like this what I'm about to say but I'm going to say it anyway um when especially when you're starting out and you need to tell the publishers you're doing this um especially when you're starting out, if you're submitting your idea to more than one publisher simultaneously, um, then do that. But tell them, hey, you know, I'm, I'm also in conversations with other potential publishers as well. So so that is, that is the approach of traditional publishing. Now, there are strengths and there are limitations to that process. So what are the strengths of publishing in a traditional way. Well, the strengths involve they do all of the grunt work. They will do the cover design. They will do the formatting inside. They will do the uh, copyright um, uh, submission. They will do uh, they will do a heavy amount of the marketing. They will put it out there in catalogs. They'll get it out there in many different avenues. They will do um, the formatting. They will edit it. They will proofread it. They'll run it by usually three different readers two or three different readers for mistakes and all that and they'll make some slight revisions they'll usually smooth out your your rusty rough grammar and things of that nature they do a great amount of work what is the the downside well the downside is is all that costs them money and so um your royalty rate is is generally um well it depends on who you work with i mean some some publishers um will we'll put the royalty rate at 10%, which is pretty low. And um, most publishers that are out there, they'll give you a royalty rate of about 12 to 14%. So what does an author generally make? Up until a certain number of, of books sold, about 12 to 14% off of every every book that is sold. That that goes back to the author. So though there there you have strengths and limitations. So the, you you know, you will only get a small, small percentage of what is actually uh, the purchase price of, of a particular book with the overwhelming majority going back to the publisher. Um, let's talk about indie publishing. That's huge. That has exploded in um, recent years, especially with Kindle, with what Amazon's been doing. Um, uh, uh, there are others that are out there that are doing this as well. And so indie publishing is... Um, uh, it's. I think it's really divided into two categories, but I'm going to separate that partial self publishing into its own little world. But in a sense, partial self publishing, whereby you have a, a partial investment, uh, in a sense, that's indie publishing too. Um, but let's talk about just full on indie publishing where you're doing it all as the author. Now, here's the thing. Remember, I said, you know, uh, in Christian writing, especially in writings related to missions and evangelism, church health, church life, things of that nature, that's a, that's a niche within a niche. Um, small market that's out there. Uh, there are many times publishers will not consider publishing your idea because it's so tightly focused. It's so specific to a very, very small audience. However, in indie publishing, it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference. I mean, you are the one; the buck stops with you. And so, what does that mean in in you doing full self publishing? You do it all, everything. Uh, you know, you work through you know a group like, for example, um, um, through Amazon and their self publishing mechanism. Um, what does that mean? Uh, they'll give you some guidance. They'll do some things, and they'll do some things for you if you want to partially, you know fund it as well. But for the most part, if you're doing self-publishing, here are the strengths. You have the ability to publish highly specific literature. So some of my books, so when I wrote the book Barnabas factors, that's that was that's on that's on church planting team characteristics. that's that's a small population out there. Um, not a lot of people are interested in Roland Allen, so I did that one, you know, small population. Uh, my book, To the Edge, um, very, very interesting, very unique on a variety of ways, uh, including the content, so, so very specific. Um, another strength of indie publishing is that you have the total freedom to do it all your title, your subtitle, your cover design, your contents. When you work with a publisher, you can that they want to know what you think the title should be and even the subtitle. But at the end of the day, they get to call the shot on that, whether it's whether they wanted to title it this or subtitle it that. They call you know, some publishers will will show you some sample uh, cover designs, two or three ideas. They'll say, "Hey, which one do you like the best? We'll go with that one. Sometimes they may not do that. So it's ultimately up to them. Um, even the contents. While publishers want to keep it true to what you're you're saying, you know, there there's some some editorial um freedoms that liberties that they have, and they they sh- they should have. But when you're self publishing, you do every bit of it. Uh, another strength: high high royalty rate. So, um, you know, if you work through Amazon, I don't know if it's shifted now. Um, I don't think it has, but um, you can get up to seventy percent royalties. Compare that to twelve percent. From more traditional avenue, so, so you for every book that you publish, or excuse me, every book you sell, you get seventy percent back. Uh, now, what where does the rest of that go? Well, it goes to support the mechanisms that, for example, Amazon you know has set up and things of that nature. Uh, but you could do it in other ways where you could get even possibly higher royalty rates. So very high rate of return. However, keep in mind if it is a small audience, a very small audience, seventy percent royalty rate. That's you know that's still not a lot. Just, uh, just saying. What are the limitations of fully self-publishing? You're in charge of everything. You have to do it all. You have to do the editing, the formatting, the cover design. You have to do the filing for the copyright. You've got to do the marketing. All of those upfront costs come out of your pocket. And depending on how you want to do it and what you want to do it, you can or what you want to do, it could become very expensive. Uh, doesn't have to be. I mean, when I did, um, uh, when I did Barnabas Factors. Um, this is, this is unusual. This is atypical. Uh, but I was able to do Barnabas Factors with about an $800 budget. That, that was my, that's how much it cost me to do Barnabas Factors. Uh, that's not, that's not, um, typical. Uh, but thankfully it worked out where I was able to do that. So, so you, you, if you want it to look good, you want it to be of high quality, In what you're doing, then it's going to require some some money out of your own pocket. Um, So those are strengths. Those are some of the limitations. And those limitations in self-publishing, that editing, formatting, cover design, all that, oh, I tell you what, if you do it yourself and you don't pay someone else to do it, it is a headache. I mean, it's, you know, unless you like doing that stuff, I find it a headache. So, all right. We talked about traditional publishing. I have shared a little bit about indie publishing, where you're doing it all yourself, and basically that means you're marketing it all yourself. So everything, everything that's going on out there, you're having to do it yourself. There, there's there's no one else. Then let's talk about the other variation of indie publishing, which is is basically called a, a partial self-publishing or partial investment. So what does that mean? Um, there are companies that are out there that are – Um, available to do some of the things that I talked about that uh, often falls into the lap of those that are doing full-on indie publishing. So, the editing, uh, the formatting, the cover design, filing for copyright, maybe even some of the marketing, uh, some of the proofreading, things of that nature. They're available to do that and they'll put their stamp on the on the spine of the book, you know, such and such publisher. So you have a you have a company name uh, that's there with an actual physical address that's a part of the, the bibliographic entry for that book. But here's the thing: they will charge you a fee to do that, and so uh, you you pay them, you pay for those uh, services that they offer to you. But in exchange for those things, uh, again, you you're able to come underneath their umbrella as far as the company is concerned that you're just you're just not you know you know this book is you know, who's the publisher of this book? Well, JD Payne is the publisher of this book. Who's the author of JD Payne? So this you're actually with a particular company, and that company's, you know, they, they have their stamp, they have their their fingerprint on your on your work, but, but they're partially involved. You you have to do uh, some of the partial involvement as well. And so it's it's very much a cooperative kind of effort. So what's the strengths of that? Well, most of the strengths of the partial self-publishing approach are the same. As what I just mentioned, uh, if you're doing just indie publishing, although the royalties are usually usually a little bit less, instead of maybe seventy or or higher, seventy percent or higher, um, it's usually less than that. It's it's generally more than twelve to fourteen percent, but it's it's generally less. Um, But then, what are some of the limitations of the partial self-publishing? Well, the some of the upfront costs that are involved. Uh, another strength of going through the partial self-publishing approach is that you are able to have uh, again a, a company, a publishing company, with uh, with their their name, their logo on uh, on your book, and so that that's that's very impressive as well. So I realize that I have in this podcast sort of just thrown the fire hydrant wide open on these three means of publishing books that uh, that are out there. And they all have strengths, they all have limitations, and so it depends on what you're doing, it depends on your vision, it depends on what you're writing about, it depends on a multitude of things as to whether or not you go with any of these. Now, having said that, the notion of self-publishing has a great deal more credibility today than it did 20 years ago, or before that time. Uh, there was a time that if you self-published, it was like, well, uh, you, you know, it's just kind of, it's just not a very good book. The the ideas in the book, the content in the book, they're just not that great. I have uh, I have seen uh, books that have been self-published uh, or have been partially uh, published or you know, partial investment publishing that are outstanding books that have great depth, have great uh, significance. Uh, that are out there. And so uh, we live in a different time today when it comes to the issue of publishing books. And so I hope that this podcast uh, has, even though I've thrown out all this information in a short period of time, I hope it's given you some thoughts, some ideas on some things uh, related to publishing books. As always, hey, um, you want to carry on this conversation, you know, track me down, send me an email, catch me on uh, social media and uh, be glad to be of assistance to you any way I possibly can. So anyhow, appreciate you listening. As always, thanks so much for checking out Strike the Match today. See you. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes, and we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.